This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. I'm here today with students Aline Sanduk. Hi. Robert Humble. Hello, everyone. And Arisa Mahaparn. I took an arrow to the knee. And I'm also joined by admissions coordinator Kate McKenzie. Hello there. Hello. Before we begin, I want to let you know that today's show has a sponsor for charity, Common Bond. I will tell you more about them later in the show. But uh, Rob, there's one week left before graduation. And I understand that aside from that, your husband, Anthony, also graduated this week. He did. He graduated from pharmacy school yesterday. Congratulations. A farm MD or farm D. What a power couple right there. Um, What are, uh, I know what your plans are. You're going to be a pathologist, but what are Anthony's plans? So Anthony is also doing a residency here at uh, the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics in acute care pharmacy. You don't have to do a residency as a pharmacist. It's not. Right. Yeah. Um, but for folks that want to practice in an academic setting, it's kind of par for the course nowadays. Yeah. So. Well, that is awesome. You uh, you skipped out on the Gold Humanism Honor Society celebration, spring celebration this past week. So uh, while you're here, I will present you with your GHHS certificate. Oh, my gosh. This is so great. We are engaging in a vigorous handshake, listeners. And... <laughs> <laughs> and they're if you, not. They're if not you open the table, <laughs> just we're, we're asking them to use their imagination. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you were if you were able to get you, you, you chose not to attend because you were at the pharmacy uh, dinner. The, they have they have a senior dinner where they do all of their awards. Yeah. So equivalent for pharmacy is very nice of you to support your husband. And so I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. My in-laws, not gonna, I think my in-laws would have uh, would not have been pleased if I wasn't there. I'm not going to give you too Plus much. They had better food. I heard. I, oh, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> almost assured. It was a plated dinner. So really, it was, yeah. was it free for me? <laughs> for no, 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 um, no. Uh, like so, the students their tickets were covered, and then guests. Yeah, yeah. had to purchase their. All tickets. it uh-huh. cost was marrying a pharmacy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just low, low price. <laughs> well, if you open that up, uh, that folder up there with your certificate, and you'll see that there's an oath. I would like you to read aloud. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're supposed to read it during the ceremony, and I, but I suppose we'll still consider you a Gold Humanism Honor Society. You're a Golden Human, Rob. Member. So golden. Thanks, Dave. Uh, but congratulations, you earned it. Mm. We got some feedback from Cash. It wasn't good feedback. Uh, we we we're fortunate, right? We're fortunate on the show. We get a lot of positive feedback. Uh, Cash had something different to share, and because you know, I could I could just ignore it. I could just not play it. You know, but where? What would be the intellectual integrity of ignoring negative feedback, right? So let's hear from Cash. Really wish you guys would cut down on political topics and backhanded comments. I have been a two plus year loyal listener and haven't been able to listen in months, not because of your political beliefs, which I respect, but because of the disrespectful backhanded comments. Hope you consider. Well, let's consider. Shall we consider? All right. So here's the thing. Um... Our, one of the questions I think is inherent 
to this uh, consideration is, are we disrespectful in the ways that we express our political opinions on this show? He didn't give a single example, so I'm not buying it. I think he needs thicker skin. <laughs> I, I would have liked to know specifically some things. I would have liked said. to as well. Yeah. Um, we do make, I mean, we do make snarky political comments on we occasion. Do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Some of us. But like, well, at least one from my heard, I haven't heard anything that was outright disrespectful, but that's just my opinion. And like just saying that this is coming, I'm coming from a different side of political spectrum as a lot from a lot of students and I'm, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so this is, this is a, to some extent, a, um, uh, 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 we, we try to be funny. Mm hmm. Funny includes sometimes snark, which could be interpreted as disrespectful. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if by being disrespectful, he means that if we call out things in people we disagree with, that's disrespectful. I'm not sure if he means um, that we are being disrespectful by being vocal about our beliefs. Um, in other words, we're not being silent. Mm -hmm. um, I, I kind of suspect that he means that um, he respects our beliefs as long as we're silent. I don't know. Do you think that's... So there's an important distinction there. Like, the listener seems to be trying to make it clear that, like, they respect our opinions, but maybe just not the nature in which we deliver them with it, which I think is fair. I think there's no reason why we can't express ourselves without being mean-spirited or rude. But also, you know, the nature of this show is that we're kind of funny and snarky and well, sarcastic. Well, we try to be, try to be oh, yeah, funny and snarky, exactly. right? It's, you know, this show has been on for a long time, and I don't think anyone is behaving any differently than we have in the past. So I wonder if, you know, because he's been a loyal listener for so long, you know, did his sensibilities change at any point? Has he become more sensitive or, you know, more did rare. his... Yeah, or has politics changed? Or maybe his politics yeah. changed, yeah. Um you know, since 2016, things have changed. The tenor of politics has changed mm -hmm. to some extent. And, you know, maybe he's just tired of hearing of, of uh, political things. The, the other thing I wanted to ask was, um, are med students and med school employees allowed to have political opinions? Yeah. And express yeah. them? Absolutely. You're not, we're not speaking for the college. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. The college doesn't have opinions. And I'm just saying that when I go on the show, dude, I spent the other 23 hours of my life being very circumspect and watching what I say very, very carefully in a professional setting. I'm not going to like that's a lot of work. I'm not going to bring that on here. Um, well, there is a I mean, there is a uh, I don't know. So I suppose it's a, a tradition among scientists and physicians to be apolitical. Definitely. Um I'm not doing that. We know you're not doing that. <laughs> Historically. Rob, the policy person over here. Well, I mean, like, come on. It's our job. It's our job to have. It's our We have a responsibility to have opinions and to advocate for this stuff that's better for our patients and health and all that mm -hmm. jazz. So, like, I don't know. I, 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 I view this whole thing, this whole feedback critique, like, oh, I haven't been able to listen. Like, don't be so dramatic. Like, get off your fainting couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, fast forward through the segment if you don't want to listen to it. Yeah. Or don't listen. I think the era of scientists and physicians being silent on political issues uh, is over. We can't not state our opinions. It's it's. I just, welcome it. What's well, that? I welcome it. I'm glad that people are engaged. And yeah, medicine, I think so too. Medicine is a political career now. A political, uh, not career, a political subject now. Mm -hmm. Gosh, definitely feels yeah. like that. You I know, mean. I mean, when you've got... <laughs> Um, when you've got uh, politicians deciding questions of insurance, who gets insurance? Who gets insurance? Who doesn't? Vaccination? What's reproductive care? Yep. Yeah. And like all the billing stuff. I'm sure, like, dude, if you can take all the billing and all the politics and all the nitty gritty out of medicine, I'm sure I'll be happy to be 
to be apolitical. But until that, we can remove all those factors. I'm afraid it's kind of part of the job. <laughs> yeah, it's also a function of the fact that a lot of health problems come from bad politi- like policy. Mm-hmm. So we have a right to pronounce ourselves on those issues because it's part of our job of caring for people. So... What do you think, Kate? You're not a med student. Would you rather your doctor have no political opinion? In their personal life or professional life? In their professional life. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one for like if I'm like when I'm in the doctor's office, um, I'm there to be treated. And so it's not really, I don't know, we don't, we're not really talking in like the political setting, but like I am aware that they have a personal opinion but that's not going to i guess affect how i feel that they're treating me as a patient but what if their political opinion um conflicted with yours and they were vocal about it in a public in the in the sort of public sphere in other words you know let's say that i don't know what your political beliefs are um but let's say you were opposed to i don't know tongue depressors on a for a political mm-hmm. reason for some political reason i'm trying to take all the curse out of this um, you're opposed okay. to uh you know uh the intrusive nature of uh tonsil inspection <laughs> okay or maybe something more like maybe like what if i went to a doctor who i knew was a prominent like nativist anti-immigration activist okay that's if you want to if you wanna, <laughs> if you want to like we'll run at it yeah. <laughs> run at it completely okay well listen well, it's hard for us to respond to that feedback because yeah. they're being really vague. Yeah. You know, I, I think I know what they're saying. Like, I know personally that I have made a lot of snarky. Like, I know what, he, what they mean by, like, snarky backhanded comments. Um, things that don't contribute to, like, the intellectual discussions that we're having that are just, like, mean-spirited. But, like, also, like, I have the right, you know. Mean-spirited. Oh. Well, Kate, you didn't answer the question. Yeah. Okay, but oh. we, <laughs> Let's come back to <laughs> Kate, for God's sake. I, you don't want to, like, cut everybody off here. Um, so, I don't know which example we're going off of. Go with tongue depressors. Cause it's, you know, <laughs> so, you, you, you're, uh, you're, you don't believe in tongue depressor use because it's intrusive and it um, discriminates people who don't, against people who don't have tonsils. I don't freaking know. But... You're opposed to it. Your doctor. Yes. Your doctor, on the other hand, is, you know, you know, he is outspoken about this in the paper, in the opinion section. And he is or she is, uh, you know, he goes to the state house to, you know, talk to physicians about it. And you happen to know this about them. Do you care? This is a stupid, <laughs> stupid <laughs> example. This is not working yeah. for me at all. Let's go with immigrants. Um, yeah. <laughs> or like, Jeez. what if you're an what if you're like a anti-vaccination family and you go to a pediatrician who believes strongly in vaccines, like they all do? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. so I guess like, I would care, but then I would be, I guess, more selective. Yeah, about picking my doctor in that way because I want to be able to get the best healthcare possible, and if like the best healthcare is doing something that they're against, such as like if the best um, option is to get a vaccine and they're against vaccines, I'm not going to go to them. Mm -hmm. So then, yes. And is that a problem for doctors then? Is her choice to, uh, you know, as a, as a, you know, pretend, I I hope in this case, (laughs) (laughs) anti-vaxxer, you know, to not go to a physician that believes in vaccination. Is that a problem for that doctor? I think it can be, but it's also like patient population. So it depends on where you're at. Are there enough people that are going to go to you that aren't vaccinated or that like maybe don't care? I guess for me, it's well, like, are they still well, if they're not going to perform a vaccine that I need, then I have a problem. If they'll still perform Mm -hmm. the vaccine, then it's not a problem. Does that make sense? 
to you guys? Yeah, I think yeah. it makes sense, yeah. I like uh, the, the one part of this, this comment that I was not able to take very seriously was, um, you know, he said we, we have backhanded comments. Mm. I don't think they're backhanded. I think they're fronthanded. Yeah, they're pretty, they're <laughs> we're pretty, pretty, clear pretty, pretty obvious. We're insulting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I, I do want to say something. You know, listener, we don't want to lose you. We don't want uh, a demographic, you know, an audience that's enriched with people with opinions that are exactly like our own. Like we want to keep you. Um, so maybe you could follow up with like some more specific things that you took offense to. Because like I'm, I'm receptive. I want to hear what they think. And I don't want to alienate them because... If they are who I suspect they are, which is maybe someone with like more conservative views, I think the problem that we're seeing in political discourse in this country in general is because we don't know how to bridge the gap between, you know, between myself, like a diehard social liberal and someone who's a little more social, con socially conservative. So anyway, it's all to say I'm receptive. Like I want to hear more about this person and I'd like to... I hope this turns into a dialogue, but it's hard for us to respond to that feedback because it's, it's kind of vague. There's no way to not... Yeah, I mean, it's it's days. possible that he would just rather not hear us talk about any politics at all. That he's so yeah. fatigued yeah. in the current environment. There's a on his fame couch, which is fair. Just that aren't, aren't we all though? <laughs> you know that that he you know uh, we're overstimulated. We are overstimulated mm -hmm. news wise. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. We Here do a Rob. lot of we we have talked a lot like in the last year and a half over on the clinical side of things about what constitutes good feedback ah. and. Mm. Good feedback is it is reflective and it is actionable and it is specific. And the feedback that we received from listener cash was none of those things. So we need we need examples and we need I mean, it was reflective. Sure. But like it needs to be specific and it needs to be actionable. And it was so vague. Well, I agree. I agree. It's like the equivalent of the read more. Yeah. Comment that we get in evaluations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but he's but like just saying shout out to Cash, you you have you may have different different political opinions, but that's what makes you valuable as an audience and we appreciate having you here. Yeah. Reach reach back mm -hmm. out to us and let us know, you know, how specifically we can like better serve you as a listener. Oh, you know, we better do connect care. to just like better connect to listeners of all sorts of varieties. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Diversity is good. Diversity of opinion, diversity of background is good. Mm -hmm. So I hope that they take what we said in a positive way and give us a little more. Um well that's that's yeah. I think that sounds good. I can I, I hopefully Cash can handle that. Hopefully Cash will uh will take that under advisement. So uh, getting to your last point, hope you will consider, as you said, I think we've done that. Thank you, Cash. Um, we're going to take a quick break to say that support for the Shortcoat Podcast's charitable, charitable mission comes from the sale of t-shirts and our new cookbook, <gasps> Recipes for Med School Success, from the listeners and co-hosts of the Shortcoat Podcast, available now at the Shortcoat dot com slash store it's a name your price name your price you want to pay a dollar pay a dollar you want to pay five dollars you can pay five dollars you want to pay 25 dollars for those 47 recipes you can pay 25 dollars that's only math per recipe by the way i should mm -hmm. point out dave we don't we're not good with math no, i'm not good with math. <laughs> Um, we are also, our charitable mission also is supported by a sponsorship from Common Bond, an education finance company that wants to help med students save money on medical school. Common Bond is now offering a medical school loan with rates lower than the federal grad plus, flexible repayment options, and protections like forbearance so you can press pause on payments for up to 12 months. All that, and they don't require a cosigner. Common Bond is also committed 
to impacting social good. Every time they fund a loan, they also fund the education of a child in the developing world through their social promise. To learn more about Common Bond's new medical school loan, visit commonbond.co slash SCP. Just a reminder, listeners, that our sponsors are helping us make money for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, so it's important that you go check them out using that URL so that they know that their sponsorship has had some uh, worth to them. Uh, guys, really interesting article in the New York Times a couple of days ago about how medicine might one day use the genome. Um, this past week, geneticists at Stanford published a study of 109 volunteers whose genomes were sequenced and who were given in-depth physical physicals. They also gave blood, stool, urine, and cheek swabs every three months. Some wore glucose monitors. Others wore pulse monitors. They discovered that almost half had clinical conditions. So not subclinical, but clinical conditions that the volunteers didn't know about that needed medical attention. Uh, one had full-blown diabetes that had never been diagnosed. 18 cases of stage two hypertension were, were discovered. Um, one person who'd been having recurring strokes turned out to be on a medicine that wasn't going to work for him due, due to a genetic mutation. Other findings included genetic variants linked to an enlarged heart, which on imaging turned out to be true. I mean, these were all discovered as a result of their sequencing, uh, the sequencing of their genomes. Um, they also analyzed massive amounts of data from each patient to determine their baselines for things like body temp and heart rate, um, and some for their proteome, uh, which is, I understand, the mm -hmm. protein makeup of themselves. Is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like what happens with, um, what does a DNA code for kind of deal? Yeah, well, what are the proteins that their DNA codes for, right? Um, this meant that when a subject experienced an illness during the study, they could go back and see how the baselines had changed months ahead of time. Um, and they were able to then see how those markers changed with treatment, um, which is kind of cool. Um, this is an intriguing thing that I, I so type two diabetes, right? Mm -hmm. That is uh, adult onset diabetes, what they call adult onset diabetes, right? So it's not diabetes. Typically, yeah. Generally, generally but nowadays, you know, it's, uh, it's getting there's I'm, more kids. Yeah. So, um, and, and my understanding is that uh, type 2 diabetes, like this is according to the American Diabetes Association, defines type 2 diabetes as resulting from resistance to insulin. That's yeah. the classic definition, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they're saying that they have discovered that type 2 diabetes has two different kinds. Um, those who produce very little insulin, i.e. like type 1 diabetics, right? Because, yeah, type 1, they don't make insulin. And others who produce enough, but it didn't doesn't work to lower glucose. So it's, it's almost... Not enough. So it's, <laughs> yeah, so it's almost like um, type 2 diabetes, our understanding of type 2 diabetes might change as a result of this particular study hmm. um, and, and the work that they did. This is obviously something that like um, that has been like an idea that's been tossed around in the endocrine world for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. So it's actually pretty nice to see like more scientific proof behind it and to see how it to see how it's dealt with in the future. Because right now we we kind of have like a one size fits all impact for diabetes, and as you can probably see in clinic, like that's really not working for everyone. Some people have great results on it, but some people just aren't responding well to the current treatments we have. If we were able to um to define to maybe make a treatment more suitable for them, that would be excellent. Yeah. Yeah, Irisa, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was about to say that we have a very one size fits all <laughs> approach, but not just to diabetes. I feel like to a lot of conditions, mm -hmm. we kind of take what seems to be the consensus for the greatest number of people, and then we apply it to all of them. But this genome sequencing could give us a little more insight, so we can like better tailor our treatment approaches, which I think is not just like the right and ethical thing to do, but it would also dramatically improve our 
like productive output as a society if people weren't persistently sick and not getting the care that they need. Oh gosh, and just thinking about the psych world, like right now, our how do we start? How do you treat someone? We we try a drug. If that doesn't work, we try another drug. That doesn't work, we try another. Oh, try another drug. That doesn't work. Yeah. We try a few combinations, change the dosage. If we were able to pinpoint that down to like maybe um to like maybe even just like a okay, shoes out of three drugs, that would that would be awesome. Hundred percent. I guess the the downside the. So the, the people who did this study seem to be saying that um, this is the future of medicine. Okay. So everybody gets their genome sequenced. Mm -hmm. um, and there are problems with that, aren't there? Yeah. Like we don't really, we don't know the significance of a wide variety of the, um, of the variations that we see on a gen genetic level. Like this person has this particular SNP, what does it mean? Or this particular SNP is associated associated with like a greater on with a greater number of people who have schizophrenia. Is it is that true? It's just a, is it is going it, to mean that they develop schizophrenia? Yeah, and as mm -hmm. we know, correlation rarely implies causation. And going after schizophrenia thing, if you had a gene that you knew was going to make that was putting you at a high likelihood of developing schizophrenia by age twenty, and you were twelve. Would you want to know that? Yeah. What should you know that? And who should know that? What would be the yeah. in that case? What what would be the benefit? Just increased mm -hmm. surveillance for you, so that you know the you know we're sort of on the lookout for that problem. How would that affect you know your upbringing? How would it would affect your um, yeah. your education, for instance? Mm -hmm. How would it would affect your future insurance coverage? Yeah. All kinds of. Yeah, the, 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 pr the privacy of that data would, is concerning to me because, I mean, there's data breaches all the time. Yeah. Not just like yeah. with like credit information, but there's various health systems that have been that have been hacked and people's information ends up on the Internet. Like this would likely be the same scenario. So Who cares anymore? You know, everything's everything's get right. Kate, everything's getting hacked. You know, my data is out there. Google asked I, me for yeah. my address the other day. I was like, come on. You know I, it. I, yeah. <laughs> You've already and known. I was just thinking about this the other day. I heard another of the <laughs> companies that I associate with was hacked and and uh, same Z's. And part of me is uh, like, do you, you say know, that now because it's like not your bank account, but then when it's like your bank getting hacked? Oh well, no, my bank mean, account. <laughs> my, I've, yeah, I mean everybody <laughs> is going to get hacked at some point. Yeah. And uh, part of me is like, okay, well, the best I can do here is have, I have a password app. I mean, I'm very careful. A password app, all of my passwords, as many as I can remember at this point, or as many as I, anyway, point is, as many of my passwords as I can are completely random. Ooh, Dave, I think that Mr. Engineer can probably attest to this on that, but it's not you or your passwords. It's a, it's something that it's a company and their security as a whole. Well, I know, but the point is that you do never that, right. that a company can get hacked, um, but they but hopefully they won't be able to use the data that they get to guess my other passwords, for instance. Mm. Um, you know, so I'm doing what I can. Um, I feel like at this point, but I, you know, like part of me is just like, oh, another okay. I mean, the another company got hacked. I guess my information is out there, you know, if it were my genome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how I would feel about that. Um, you know, okay, well, they know I'm a fat 48 year old, 49 year old guy, you know, like I probably have, <laughs> you know, I'm susceptible to, you know, bad breath and, you know, oh. <laughs> smelly armpits. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> susceptible. <laughs> I'm just making up. <laughs> <laughs> Solid burn kid. <laughs> <laughs> I think 
we're like we've been slowly and like exponentially faster going into an era where it's becoming more the norm to sacrifice uh, privacy for convenience. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. Like we don't want to sacrifice the privacy of our data, but wouldn't it be nice to have someone be like, oh, you have this problem you didn't even know. Now we're going to fix it and it's going to dramatically improve your life. So it's it's hard to know. I feel like it's a worthy trade off. I feel like we have to we don't know. We don't know. Jack about the genome like in the big picture like we're still in the infancy of understanding like yeah so I I would hesitate to sequence were, everybody before we know what we we don't know what we don't know but in this yeah. study they were able to find people who were who were diagnosable because of their genome like mm -hmm. they found this person with full-blown diabetes who had never been diagnosed because of his uh because of his genome but I'm wondering is there a better way to like can we just take his blood sugar or something like that? That's pretty... Well, he, I mean, this dumb. person must have been in the... I mean, I imagine, I don't know for sure, but I imagine that if you're going to sign up for a full, you know, genome assay and get your, and get your, you know, your stool sampled every three weeks and your urine sampled True. and your sputum and, you know, all whatever, all kinds of things that you're going to get sampled, that you probably had, I don't know, maybe you had a, a PCP primary care provider you're right right <laughs> and they probably missed it for some reason make like maybe this person wasn't experiencing maybe they were 12 years old or something like that I, well I, don't, I actually don't know what the age range is but oh but you know what i mean like maybe but they something were was missed right mm -hmm. um maybe this person had symptoms that that they didn't know had mm -hmm. to do with diabetes and the only way that they found out was through this you know what i'm saying like yeah mm -hmm. like they found people yeah. who had problems that needed to be addressed. Yeah, the fact that they specifically said we found people with clinical problems, not just, oh, people with like a underlying or people with right. like, oh, he has an enlarged heart, but it doesn't mean anything or anything is what's, it's what's really intriguing to me. If you had just come to me and says, okay, we found people who ha who are at risk for diabetes who are not currently like, who did not know that, I'd be like, so what? Yeah. It's yeah. clinically relevant information mm -hmm. that they gathered from this. Yeah, yeah, exactly what you said, but, with yeah. good words. The, the, the cynic <laughs> in me is is like oh well, great we can identify these so now they can be billed for <laughs> actually yeah i mean that's where i that's where my mind jumps yeah i was actually about to say that like that's a principle that we're taught in medical school like don't go looking in places where like you might stumble upon something you can't act on mm. or that now you have to act on and you didn't mm. want to in the first place or the patient didn't want you and then maybe find yeah. yourself in a malpractice suit Hmm. This does, hmm. yeah. Speaking of wow. that, aren't you? But 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 aren't you supposed to be like looking out for problems for your patients? I mean, isn't that part of your job? We're looking out for problems, not for things that we're looking out for problems that matter to the patient, not problems that a geneticist says it's a problem. I mean, in an ideal world, a person should come into your clinic and you're like, okay, I'm going to fix the thing that you told me about, but then I'm also going to look out for your overall health and check all this other stuff too. But I agree. I think in a system where that leads to costs maybe the patient doesn't want to incur, then mm. you've you've then put yourself and them in a terrible position. And that is really the big problem with this issue is right now, it's still very costly to do this. But the mm -hmm. cost is going down. And yeah, I, yeah. Cost yeah. is going down a tremendous amount. And the time, well, concomitantly, the time that it the takes turnaround. to do these things mm -hmm. is, uh, I mean, it's amazing now. Yeah. So this is going to have a lot of appeal, I think, in countries with single payer healthcare systems. Because there's an incentive to uncover like underlying subclinical problems, right? And mm -hmm. in a country where the government is responsible for your health from cradle to grave, like prevention is financially incentivized. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But here it's not so much because the 
the way that care works in our country is that it's tied to employment. And that's why prevention is not incentivized because your insurance company doesn't want to pay to prevent a problem that they won't then reap the return on, you know, in the future. Mm. Like some other company is going to is going to get the benefit of that. Right. Yeah, yeah definitely. So. So it is mm. it is risky. Like it would be cool to have that implemented and know that it would like dramatically improve the lives of everyone. But it's not incentivized because our healthcare system isn't set up to make the most of that without a lot of downsides. Um, and also this like, ever, you know, ongoing privacy issue. For sure. And the cost and all that kind of stuff. And the cost, yeah. And More study is warranted. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Further this, investigation. This is, uh, you know, this is, I would call this, I would have called this the first wave of genetics utility for medicine, um, which, you know, when we're talking about personalized medicine, right? This was the first wave. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, CRISPR is the second wave, right? CRISPR came along later um, and it was kind of a, it's kind of like a tidal wave, mm. um, at least in terms of, you know, the things that people can see as you know CRISPR being useful you know um, and it's happened very quickly um, whereas personalized medicine that concept has been around for a hell of a long time um, but it's only now that we're able to sort of accumulate the data that we need quickly enough um, we've got the you know we so we've got the ability to sort of make decisions about it what are you laughing at? I'm laughing because I always found that expression kind of funny personalized medicine like I'm like what kind of business BS is that <laughs> 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 like it, per, medicine is by definition personalized. If someone comes in and says, "Hey, I have a heart problem. Here, take this Ambien," that would be depersonalized medicine, right? Like the very fact that you give them medication relevant to their problem means that it's personalized. It's just getting more. It's just personalized. so brand. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It's probably some marketing department that came up with that, but it's always been that way. And we, and we need those people. We value your work. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. Wait, are you being? You know, Kate's big. No, no, no. I mean, no. There's, there's a place for branding. It's just like oh, the okay. terms they interpreted as like very corporate. The lingo, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, sure. Kate is big into uh, marketing. <laughs> by the way, we if love you. Wanna, we need your expertise. If you want to talk, do you, you want patients to come to your hospitals or not? We got to market to that. Now. <laughs> if you, you want to talk to her about fonts, <laughs> oh my God. she will. Yeah. Set aside every big, day. big font person. <laughs> yeah. Branded fonts. Branded, Branded fonts. fonts. I'm actually really pro Comic Sans. <laughs> Get out! No, it's it's the easy word. to read. It's awful for people with awful. visual impairments or dyslexia. <laughs> there are plenty of good. Listen, don't even get me started. I've done yes, the legwork on this. There are plenty of good Sans Serif fonts that you can use that are not Comic Sans. Fine, I'll put everything papyrus. Okay. Yeah. There you go. But I'm just a little salty about genetic testing because like 23andMe, it's pretty awesome, right? It breaks down your very percentage to like everything, I regret, right? Mm, yeah. I regret putting my, having put my information at 23andMe. Yeah. No, but guess what? It told me I'm Asian. <laughs> I, yes. Yes. It's, yeah, it's really novel and fatty to be into it, but I, I never got into it. I yeah. never got into 23andMe. Plus, well, talk about privacy. I mean, yeah. geez. Yeah. Well, I guess for me, the truth is like my family had a lot of upheaval during like the recent, not recent, during like the Cultural Revolution, the historic times. So we don't actually know like a lot of our, our family history, a lot of our family history got lost during that time. So mm. like mm. my grandma's generation up, we, we only have guesswork at best. Mm. Well, the 20th century was like a very tumultuous time kind of globally, right? We had two world wars, five major empires collapsed, you know, maps yeah. redrawn, a lot of like a lot of transatlantic and trans migration transit. yeah 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 so i just wanted to figure out a little bit more like maybe where we come from or like where our roots come from um apparently mm -hmm. i'm asian 
I'm white. <laughs> yeah, but just saying. Pretty damn European. That was a that low to hell. Thank yes. you, 23andMe. I learned a lot of things that I will not remember. <laughs> but they sure were cool. They sure were mildly interesting. The uh, Journal of Public Health has this week given us another reason to be suspicious of health studies supported by industry and has uh, another reminder to always follow the money. Through Freedom of Information Act requests, the authors of this study looked at the contracts that Coca-Cola used when funding studies on nutrition, physical activity, and energy balance between 2015 and 2018. The agreements all contained clauses that required investigators to give Coke updates to allow Coke to comment on findings before publication, and which gave Coke the ability to terminate studies without cause at any moment. Um, Yeah, that sounds great. I would argue that this dates back like way further than 2015. Oh, yeah, no, no. Like, I think they only looked at studies done between 2015 and 20 or yeah. contracts signed or something like that between 2015 and 2018. Yeah, the fact that yeah. it's so recent is what sticks out to me. If you had told me this happened like maybe in the 40s or 50s, I'd be like, I'd be like oh, Coca-Cola, big sugar, et cetera. But the yeah. fact that this happened like three or four years, wait, I don't math good. That's okay. <laughs> You're many, doing all right. How like many they're are still here? doing this. Yeah. They're still pulling these kinds of stunts. Well, they say that they have now trans, what's the word? Transmogrified that clause. Transmembrane. Transmembraned <laughs> that clause. And so it's no longer quite, it's, it no longer says that they will terminate studies. But, hmm. um, but the authors are now calling on corporations to publish lists of terminated studies that they've funded. Mm-hmm. And peer review journals sh- uh, should require authors to include the agreements in their appendices. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, why isn't yeah. that al- already a thing, you know? Financial disclosures. I feel like I, whenever any publication I can remember filling out the paperwork for it, you have to list any financial disclosures Yeah. as like a condition of submitting your article. Yeah, but but that doesn't include the clauses mm-hmm. within that art, that well, thing where you... update it and include them. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Does that extend to NDAs? Yeah. yeah. See, but this is why we need the NIH. It's not like, I'm not saying that's a pinnacle of scientific utopia or that's perfectly unbiased, but it, it doesn't have as many financial interests in the results as Coca-Cola does. What I would argue here is that it's not just um, misdirected lab research or like basic science research. There's there's policy research here that mm-hmm. was missing. Right. Um, yeah, so this is the stuff that informs policy. Things like, you know, uh, banning sugary drinks. Yeah. For instance, it's... I just watched done. the episode of Parks and Rec last night where they considered... <laughs> oh, my uh, God. ...Sweetums soda yeah. tax and... Oh Sweetums. <laughs> that's a uh, uh, good so, show. I love that. I just... Show. There's that line where they're like... How, it's like this 512-ounce soda. <laughs> and they're like, this, why do you call this child size? And they're like... It's roughly the size of a two-year-old child if you liquefy them. Uh, that is industry interference as well. Awful. Yeah. Pop quiz, guys. Who is more likely to die before, during, or after childbirth? Not you. Is it A, white women, or B, Native Americans, Native Alaskans, or black women? I believe it's black women. C, yeah. Yeah, black well, it's women. it's Native, right. Native Americans, Alaska Natives, and black women. All more mm-hmm. than... All three times more likely to die um, and more ha- more than half of those deaths are preventable, according to some new studies from Harvard and the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. ACOG. Mm. ACOG has released guidelines saying being black is the single greatest risk factor for maternal death. Um, bleeding used to be the number one cause of pregnancy related deaths. But is now US it's a silent epidemic. It's women? heart problems. Yes. In the U.S. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, a third of deaths. Uh, occur during pregnancy, a third within a week of birth, and a, 
up and a third up to a year after birth. So um, America's got a little problem um, dealing with pregnancy, be, dealing with maternal women of color. Is that the right? Mm -hmm. Women of color, maternal women of color. That sounds like a very reasonable way to say I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It's been known for a while, I think, yeah. that, the, that this is a trend and they couldn't really explain it. <laughs> Because like African American, like I guess I should say, women of color in other countries don't mm -hmm. have this. It's really specific to women of color in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's probably perhaps related to payment issues. Um, uh, perhaps people who are um, uh, people of color are less likely to have insurance. They're uh, less likely to be well off financially. But uh, it's not specific to like women of color from lower socioeconomic, like even well educated. Yeah, like mm. very upper crust, like. Like women of color that are CEOs or oh. like executives are also having this trend. So okay. I think it's more than just like it, cost and access. I think it has to do with the fact that like we just don't respond to their needs like on a social, on a cultural okay. level. Like women's health complaints are not taken as seriously as mm -hmm. men's mm -hmm. and people of color's complaints are not taken as seriously. So you kind of I think the superimposition of them being women and women of, and people of color. So maybe they're less likely to receive interventions that Correct. would yeah. save them. They just get bad mm -hmm. care, like inferior care from the start. Mm. I'm not going to dance around it. We have a history of racism structurally that is still here and it affects people's health. And there's not a discussion to have there. That's reality. Yeah. 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 Um, so how do you... I guess, how do you propose to, to, on an individual basis, monitor yourselves in the future as physicians? We got to do our best to be aware of our biases and yeah. right. always know that we can do better. Check in with yourself a lot and often. Because I think, I, I think probably the vast majority of people would say, well, I'm not a racist in this. I'm, doctors would say, well, I'm not racist, but um, biases intrude no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, for sure. I think that's the point of a bias. You don't know you have it. Yeah. You don't know when it's acting upon you. Yeah. Um, Un unconscious bias. Cause I, yeah. Cause I, yeah. Unconscious bias. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, I know that I have biases, right. Mm -hmm. But I don't always know the moment at which they are acting upon me. And that's the really difficult part. I mean, human beings are built, I think, to take shortcuts. Mm. Um, yeah. We've taken a lot of data and we try to find patterns and yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's, it's what keeps us from having to calculate whether that lion is going to eat me on the, on the Serengeti or whatever. Um, 2016 before, was wild. Before I run away, you know? What'd you say? 2016 was wild, your trip to the Serengeti. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so so it's really hard being aware of, you know, what your brain's doing. It's hard for your brain to be aware of what your brain's doing. Yeah, gosh, it just freaks yeah. me out to know that, like, I probably have biases that I'm not even aware of that, are, that might be playing into my decision, like, I don't know. I think one thing we need is more uh, people of color, for instance, in medicine. Um, that would probably counter I mean, that cross-section of the that physician work, should, yeah. workforce to look like the cross-section of the people at large yeah 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 there's a there's an idea not sure because i can definitely vouch that people of color still definitely have biases well yeah <laughs> sure yeah, yeah but maybe the maybe the sum of those biases would be lessened if there were more people who were like and yeah if the cross-section was right if there were if there were more people to challenge each other basically I think the impact of a first impression can't be underestimated. There's actually a really nice TED talk about this. I, I can't remember the person's name, but it's like one of the most viewed TED talks. And it's about the power of a first story. Um, and so when someone, you know, through life experience is exposed to, you know, a, ne a negative experience, like every 
even the most trivial details about that experience will then inform how they go, you know, how they respond to anyone that might be connected in that trivial way. And I think I, I would agree that like more personal exposures of a positive nature, I think is the best way to like counteract that, but it's hard. Well, at the top of our show, on another note, let's transition. At the top of the show, we, we spoke of expressing ourselves politically. Now let's see you try your hands expressing yourselves in another way. Artistically? That's not at all related to anything we've done. Uh, In a game called Drop a Hint. (laughs) In the cup here are a bunch of pieces of paper with a word written on them. You will each take it in turn to get the others to guess the word without using any part of the word itself and without using the prohibited word listed. You have one minute for each word. So you say the, you you give a, a hint, a one word hint about the word that's on the card and then wait for that person, wait for people to respond. Does that make sense? Okay, and then mm-hmm. after they respond, then what? Then you can give another hint if they didn't get it right. Okay. Um, but they need to be one word hints. Are these words correlated? They are. They have to do with medicine, of course. (laughs) They are correlated in that respect. Kate, why don't you go first? I'm like nervous. What if I don't know what the word is? Oh, I I didn't. uh, I tried to be uh, inclusive. Okay. I got to get my timer out clearly because Kate's like. "Mm." (laughs) Okay. Um, Wait, wait. I haven't got my. God damn it. Not Fiverr. I'm amazed that's still around. Uh, I'm on Fiverr. Oh yeah, he's like what is making that? half the revenue. It uh, it was a thing that started a few years ago where people could advertise a service that they provide, provide, yeah. and you pay five dollars. So that's the principle. Everything you see on there is five dollars. All right, here we go. Ready? One minute on the clock, Kate. Go. Graduating. Commencement. Senior. Stethoscope. Oh. Residency. Resident. Forty-six minutes. Y'all. Mm-hmm. Y'all. Us. <laughs> Y'all. Y'all. Student. <laughs> Medical student. Think of all the clues she's given you. Medical school graduation. Is it one word? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, in this case. Patient. Simulation. Physician. Doctor. Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Oh. oh. <laughs> it was oh. just doctor? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't say physician or MD. Were you guys expecting more complicated things? <laughs> I was like, uh, I was, I was, I was like, you all, like, y'all, y'all. Oh, come on! Totally, totally <laughs> skating the uh, the rules there, but okay. So I can only use one one word at a time to describe it. Yes. Okay. Um, Ready, set, go. Okay. Uh, sketches, performance. Ar- no, you gotta let them respond. Art. Chart, micro, mm. comedy, improv, podcast. <laughs> mm. Tradition. Frolics. Yeah. Oh. Well, pretty close. No, that's not the word. Escalupian. Oh my. (laughs) Yes. Nice. nice. She wasn't supposed to say the Uh, word frolics, but she cheated. Okay. Uh Oh, Oh, I didn't say frolics. Good thing I didn't get that Oh, somebody said frolics. Who said frolics? (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, Robert. (sighs) You should have picked fun words like butt plug or like whatever. (laughs) Maybe it's coming up. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Okay. Ready, set, go. Helicopter. Life flight. Parent. Patient. Medivac. Wow. That's pretty good. That was really good. (laughs) Thank you. These are really specific. All right. Yeah. Give me one. Can't say air care. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, I guess uh, my plan B can be improv. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Ready, Arisa? Mm-hmm. Go. Vomiting. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. 
We, I didn't sick. realize we were allowed to yeah, make yeah, noise. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Oh, there we go. Oh, okay, nice. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I can't say oh. We did it. <laughs> That's like kind of a word. All right. All right, now you. Oh, you're not going to go, Dave? No, because I know all the words. <laughs> oh, that's true. Well, I guess that doesn't matter, does I, it? I was going to say, yeah. it doesn't matter. All right, I'll We're go. the ones guessing. I'll go. Oh, okay. Do it, Dave. <sighs> all right. Ready, set, go, Dave. We can see Dave, the... I can yeah. say that. <laughs> it's physician. Yeah. <laughs> Try holding your hand up behind it. <laughs> <laughs> Building. Murph. Hospital. Yep. <laughs> Too easy. Okay, Kate. Neuro. Stroke. Jeopardy. Surgery. Jeopardy. Uh, um, okay. <gasps> Using. Uh, Deep brain stimulation. Scalpel. Surgeon. Neurosurgeon. She's oh. pointing at me and going. <laughs> I don't okay. know how to get them there. Forceps. Cut. Craniotomy. <laughs> CT. Um, you lit up at surgery, so it's something with surgery. Did you light up at scalpel? Mm-hmm. So scrub nurse. So that's two words. Yeah. I could so like neuro. I feel like it counts. Neuro scalpel. What counts? I guess <laughs> retractor. Come on. Um, Point four pickups. All right, we'll give. Well, you're right. We'll yeah. give her that one. As I surgical. It was surgery. Oh. She said surgery. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had surgical. Yeah. Here you go. It was, oh, Rob Stern. Okay. <laughs> So Concern. Complaint. Chief complaint. Yeah. Oh, oh my nice. God. These are too easy. <laughs> I feel like you can say a lot with your face, though, without saying any words. Yeah. Well, like, it's just part of the game. It's part of the okay. part. It's part of life, isn't it? Non-verbals. Non-verbals. Oh, I'm horrible Seven. at those. <laughs> You're horrible at non-verbals. It's a good thing you may have pathologist. But. <laughs> Vitality. <laughs> Oh. Living life. You can stamina. I can do the YMCA. You can do another word. Oh, I can do the YMCA. At some point. Wealth. Oh. Mm. No, no, no. Wait, wait, can I change the word? Sure. <laughs> Wellness. Passport. Oh. All right, what was the word, Arisa? Health. Oh. oh, yeah, we weren't going to get that. What was your first clue? Vitality. Oh, vitality. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's, there's no way. The, our humors are imbalanced are, um, was too many words. Yeah, yeah. Humors are imbalanced. Mm-hmm. I have too much black bile. <laughs> All right, ready, Aline? Go. Yes. Uh, body shape, <laughs> uh, human anatomy. No, oh, yeah. What? Actually, cool. Can't say pizzamenti or dissection. <laughs> oh, uh. <laughs> Are you not going anymore? Uh, okay, I'll go. Yeah. Um. Oh gosh. Um. It's, it's harder when when I'm on the hot seat. Um. Uh, action. Proactive. Uh, um exam. helping help Assist. service um care yeah what wow. nice oh wow how'd you do that uh, could not tell you magic all right i'm gonna stop using that mm-hmm. <laughs> we're doing a good job it doesn't job. matter yeah. yeah it's true um go ahead Kate. uihc is that is that genie what hospital oh well, no, it's not cheating. Institution. Go on. Mm, healthcare system. Health system. Um, Academic medical center. <laughs> um, Academic research center. <laughs> medical school. Mm, teaching hospital. Would, no. Um, I don't know. Infirmary. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh. <yeah. laughs> 
I was like, <laughs> how in the world? I don't Holy know. Effing smacks. <laughs> Holy wow, smacks. Nice. Holy smacks. I was Rob. trying to think of like old timey words. That's what I was going to say old, but then I was like, I don't know if that's going to. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's going to go down to like. Geriatrics. Hospice or like, I was like, it's going like, to like, go me, down the wrong, wrong path. Geriatrics. <laughs> My favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's where I have, you, have, you deal with a lot of people of very difficult, different political opinions <laughs> all around from every side of the spectrum <laughs> autopsy pathology subspecialty pathology <laughs> coroner anatomist oh coroner uh, medical examiner mm. evidence forensic pathology well i nice. can't say pathology i couldn't oh yeah. okay but like i was trying <laughs> uh-huh. to go there when i said subspecialty hey, totally random but can i try i wrote a word down can i try okay <laughs> go ahead okay guys the word um zebra Zoo. Oh, is it medically related? Oh, step uh, one. Hoof. Ho- oh, go ahead. Give us another. Theochromocytoma. Yeah! Ah! <laughs> because because it, it, it's like a zebra because it's it's what rare. In the world, Robert. Yeah, guy. <laughs> I wasn't gonna guess that. Yeah, no, no. You weren't gonna guess that. I was like right on the tip of my tongue. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a break. It's a cool tumor that's rare. That is. It's a zebra. Deemed a zebra. Mm-hmm. There was there was one here not that long ago. Because really? and like several people like had stories about it. Oh my god! And then they call okay. all of all of the trainees into the room to be like. No, but it would talk about those. Say, oh wait, can't say that HIPAA. Yeah, you can't. Can you um, say what their blood pressure was? No. Okay. I mean, we could, yeah, we can be oblique. They had extremely high blood pressure. Hooray! It was over two hundred. Whoa! Very high. Yeah, isn't that what a zebra? Okay. Isn't that pathognomonic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but it's oh. like the five P's. It's like pressure, pain. It, Pismenti, other brunt. things <laughs> like perspire for sweating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I for, I, Isn't it's it been an a adrenal gland? Thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like it's a, a catecholamine producing tumor. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I remember stuff. See, I can't believe oh. you got that. I like yeah. how. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, nice like, job. Aline, Rob is you, good at this game. When you mentioned all the trainees, coming <laughs> lots, to, lots of game me. time with family. <laughs> <laughs> when you mentioned all the trainees coming in to view the rare thing, it brought me back to my. Uh, to my own medical history and, oh, and how yeah. everybody was so excited when I had Guillain Bray syndrome. <laughs> oh, didn't you end up in the ICU? Man? Well, yeah, yeah. But, GB, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. But people would come, like all the med students and the residents, they would all come to visit, like, hey, heard you have Guillain Bray syndrome. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Thanks for being super sick so that we could learn something. Yeah. <laughs> Did you tell them to stick it up there? Please forgive the excitement in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd, That's such a thing. But guys, I admit it, we've done that. <laughs> We've all yeah. done that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a w- pleasure to meet you in the extremity of your distress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get better too fast. We've got a lot more people who want to come in. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. If you have a, like, a zebra in a medical institution, I am sorry, but that is the truth. Yeah. There are plus sides, but we won't go into that today. That is our show. Uh, Aline, Robert, Arisa, Katie. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show today and uh, making us part of your week. And what kind of terrible human being would I be if I didn't thank you listeners for all your questions, your supportive t-shirt orders, even your negative feedback. If you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. We love answering listener questions. So send your questions or whatever you like to the shortcodes at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. You can leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. And one more thing, while your podcast app is open, give us some stars and review. Um, They make us feel good to hear that you're happy with our work. And if you want to make us feel not happy, 
then leave us a negative review. It's fine. Uh, the show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox. And our closing music is by Atmosphere. Talk to you in one week. Thank you.